Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, that you have met us here, that, that you have met us here because you are living and active in your people. And so, Lord, as we gather, as we interact, as we open up your word, as we sing songs to you and about you, you are present. Lord, I know that this room this morning is filled with people who have, have anxiety. Lord, I have certain anxiety even about standing in front of this room of people. Other people have anxiety about social interaction with people in the room. Some of us have anxiety about tomorrow and, or this afternoon or whatever it may be, Lord. We all have different types of anxieties. And I pray that you would meet us where we're at this morning, Lord Jesus. Some of us at the mountaintop and in our anxieties are, are stuffed down and suppressed, and some of us are in the valley and our anxiety, our anxiety is apparent to us. Meet each of us where we're at and lead us to where you desire us to be, in your presence where there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Do this for your glorious name's sake. In Jesus we pray. Amen. You may have a seat. Well, I remember the morning incredibly well, it was six years ago, about the same time of the year, Brittany and I were living just down the street on Minnetonka Boulevard in the Aquila Park Apartments. We had moved to St. Louis Park maybe half a year beforehand to start a church, which ended up be being called City Vision Church, and we were new to the city. We were parents of little Avery, and we, I had just gotten the news the night before that we were expecting a second child, which turned out to be our son, Judah. And this morning, I was filled with anxiety about that news. See, we were living in this apartment complex. We were working as building managers of this apartment complex because we couldn't afford rent. I was working at Caribou Coffee to get, I was getting paid $8.10 per hour. That was my hourly wage, but we got great health benefits through Caribou Coffee, and then we were trying to plant a church as well. And so I'm filled with anxiety because I'm working three different jobs. One of them pays next to nothing, but we have good health benefits from it. The other one is just stressful. And, and my wife did most of the work. She did most of the cleaning in between tenants. And here she had just told me that she's pregnant with a child. And I, I, what's spinning through my mind this morning that I woke up was all the chemicals that she has to use to clean the ovens and clean the bathrooms and clean the kitchens and just how dirty and disgusting and awful this work is. And, and my pregnant wife can't continue to do that. Knowing that she's pregnant, she can't use these substances any longer to clean these apartments, yet we can't afford to move out of these apartments. And it's 4.30 a.m., and I'm sitting in my chair getting ready to go to work at Caribou. I had to be there at 5 a.m., and I am filled with anxiety. God, what are we going to do? We can't afford to move. We can't afford anything. I can't provide. I don't, I don't know what to do next. And I opened up my Bible, and what do you know? My reading plan had me in this passage. Jesus telling us to not be filled with anxiety. And I was angry. I was angry at God for opening up me up to this passage and all the anxiety that I felt and the frustration that I felt and the pressure that I felt to, to provide for my wife and my daughter and now my coming son and to, to plant this church where our core team, pretty much all of us were on WIC, government assistance, women, infants, and children. Like, how do you plant a church with a core team of people who don't have money to buy their own groceries? And so I am filled with anxiety, and so I, I read this passage, and I got so 
frustrated with God. I was wrestling with God. I, I had this anxiety, and yet he's telling me not to be anxious, not to worry, for he will provide. And I'm like, prove it, God. Show yourself. How are you going to provide? I got so frustrated, I closed my Bible. I slammed it down. I went off to work. Went to the Knollwood Caribou, got in there, opened up, and one of my regular customers, Bob, who comes in almost every morning, great customer, great guy, just a, just a joyful older man who would come in every morning. He would usually throw a dollar in the tip jar. He's the first customer. He's like the guy who pulls up at 5.25. We open at 5.30, and he's there in his car waiting. I look out the window. Bob's coming. I love Bob, but man, I really don't want to deal with people this morning because I'm anxious, and I'm angry and annoyed at God, and I don't know what the next step is. And Bob comes in at 5.30 when we unlock the door. He's his usual kind, friendly self, orders his drink. It's like $2.13 for a medium dark coffee. That's what it was. It's more now. It was $2.13 then. He orders his coffee. We make our small talk. He walks away. He throws a bill into the tip jar, which I'm assuming is a dollar because he would always throw a dollar in. And I looked down and that morning it was a $20 bill. And I remember so clearly God, not in an audible voice, but just massaging into my spirit. What are you worried about, Andrew? I love you. You, you read that passage this morning that, that you're not to worry about your life because your father will provide. And that $20 bill, although that wasn't enough to pay my cell phone bill, it communicated to me so clearly that God has got my back. And over the next couple months, God surely came through. He provided a home for Brittany and I to move into. He provided supporters and financial support to get us to the point where we could actually pay our bills and afford to live. And what God did in our life was miraculous. And, and it taught me that day, I learned that seeking God's kingdom produces freedom. Freedom from anxiety. It produces specifically freedom from anxiety about what you have, what you want, and what you need. See, that morning I was filled with all of this anxiety about, about what we have and what we didn't have. Well, here, here are the things that you've given me, God. Here's the responsibilities that you've given me. Here, here's the stuff that you've given me. Here, here are the things that, that I want. Like, as, as I look around, my other friends and other people my age who are having their second kid, they have so many um, greater things than I have. I want some of what they have. And then, God, we need things. Like, I need to provide. I need to, to provide a space for my family to live in and food for them to eat. And, God... Would you show me your way? And he taught me very powerfully and personally that as we press into his kingdom, as we seek first the kingdom of God, he actually produces freedom in us from anxiety. Anxiety about the things that we have, and anxiety about the things that we want, and anxiety about the things that we need. And aren't all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, filled with some level of anxiety about what we have, what we want, and what we need? I mean, it, it may not be clothing and food and shelter, but we have so many things that, that, that we have, that we own, that are in our possession and we want to keep. Like, we're worried about losing the things that are important to us. We're also looking around at other people and we're thinking, that thing would be really nice to have. That thing would be really nice to have. I don't know if I will ever attain this level of income or this level of status and get that thing that I want. And we have some anxiety about that. And some of us may, may be in practical need of daily provision, food, clothing, shelter. And you're feeling a sense of anxiety 
God, where, where is the stuff going to come from? Or maybe your needs aren't related to food, clothing, and shelter. Maybe they're related to other things. Like, God, I need strength to get through the day. I can't do this job in my own power. I can't communicate with this person in my own spirit. They just rub me the wrong way. God, I need you. I am needy and I'm anxious about my life because there's things that are required of me that I can't fulfill and I can't deliver on. And so this passage takes us through this progression of showing us that when we pursue first the kingdom of God, he produces freedom from our anxiety. First of all, freedom from anxiety about losing what you have. When we seek the kingdom of God, he produces freedom from anxiety of losing what you have. Look at verses 19 through 21. Jesus instructs his disciples, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, Jesus is getting at, what he's getting at here is, is things that we have that we treasure outside of him and his kingdom. It's like good gifts from God that have now gotten a hold of us. They've gripped our hearts. All of us probably have certain things that we just love, right? We don't want to lose those things, whether it's your income, whether it's your retirement, whether it's your car, whether it's your home, whether it's your toys, whether whatever it is, we have things that have the tendency to become treasures to us above the things of God. And when we pursue the kingdom of God, when we pursue him and his kingdom and his righteousness, he, he produces freedom from these things that have a hold of us. Like our stuff can possess us. It's part of what Jesus is getting at here in this text, that, that if you have treasures that possess you, you are going to be filled with anxiety about losing those things that you love. I mean, and, and they can be good things. They can be family. They can be friends. They can be land or homes that you use for the advance of God's kingdom. But if you allow God's good gifts to become a God in your life, if you allow the things that he's given you to become your treasure before him and his kingdom, all of a sudden you, you're filled with anxiety about losing those things. Jesus gives us another example of this in Matthew chapter 19. And we're not going to read this whole passage, but in Matthew chapter 19, it's the story about a rich young man who has a lot of stuff. He comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do to follow you? What must I do to be, to be a good servant of yours? And Jesus says to him, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. That's the invitation of Jesus to all of us. Come follow me. I have a life of, of, I have a life planned for you, and I have a life that I grant to you, which can actually set you free from the anxiety that we're so often filled with. Come and follow me. Verse 22, but when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. We live in one of the richest nations in the world. We have stuff. We have possession. And here Jesus says, only with great difficulty can a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. 
This, this rich young ruler, this rich young man, he wasn't willing to open up his storehouses, all that he had saved up, all of the things that he had that he loved, he wasn't willing or able to release it for the sake of others. He wasn't willing to give it away for the sake of others. And here, Jesus isn't condemning your, your economic status. He's not condemning whether you have things or don't have things. He's just saying, be very careful that the things that you have don't become master over you. Be very careful about how you view your possessions. Have your possessions become more important to you than the worship of your God? Have your possessions become more important to you than the people that he has put in your life? Have your possessions become more important to you and not losing those possessions? You want to hoard them, you want to keep them, you want to protect them from others. Other people are going to wreck my things, other people are going to take my things, other people are going to encroach on my space. That's what we have to be careful of, church. Jesus, here in Matthew chapter 6 and 19, is warning us to be careful of putting things before people, possessions before people, or God's gifts before God, the giver. And so he produces, as we pursue his kingdom and seek first his kingdom, he actually produces freedom from the slavery of fear of losing what you have. Is this not a good thing, church? Think, think about some of the things that, that just have kind of control over you and, and you have anxiety about losing those things. Even, I mean, even a kid. Like, I, one of my greatest fears is to lose a child. And, and I could have anxiety over that because I, I treasure my children. But if I'm pursuing the kingdom of God, he releases me from the anxiety of what may happen to my children. If I'm pursuing the kingdom of God, he releases me from anxiety over what may happen to the things that, that he has put in my possession that he's called me to steward. See, that's the thing. We're not owners of anything. We are stewards and managers of everything that he's given us. And so has your stuff become your God? Jesus here is saying if you pursue the kingdom, you'll be released from the anxiety caused around losing stuff. He goes on and he he tells us that pursuing the kingdom of God essentially, it, it sets us free from the anxiety of getting what you want. Look at verses 22 through 24. And Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? saying the things that we see, the things that are out there, the things that we take in with our eyes, the things that we allow our eyes to see and our minds to dwell on and our hearts to start to crave, he's warning us about what we look at. Because if we aren't careful, we can look at all the things of the world and we can see, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want what they have, I want what they have, I want what they have. He goes on, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. In fact, a better translation of that word there, I think, is just stuff or accumulation of things. Or, again, treasure. Money, the Greek word there is mammon, and it means, it means stuff, land, money. It, just, it means the, the accumulation of things. And so Jesus here is warning us to be careful about looking out and, and wanting things that he hasn't given us. And you can have a whole life of anxiety when you look around and you think, well, I want their family. Well, I want their personality. 
well, I want their stuff. I want their body. I want their intellect. I want their humor. I want their house. I want their minivan. That's a thing that young parents deal with, like coveting minivans. I've been there before. Like, I just want a better minivan, as stupid as that sounds. And Jesus is warning us to be careful about what you look at and what you dwell your thoughts on. Because you can let darkness into your life by not being careful. You, you can be filled with all kinds of anxiety over the things that you don't have and the things that others have, and all of a sudden you have this, this insatiable desire for more things that God hasn't given you. I like how James says it here in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. He says, What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. Remember, Jesus had already taught us about murder in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, to be angry in your heart, to, to position yourself against somebody is the same as murder. That's the root of murder. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passion. See the warning there? Be careful about what you look at. Be careful about what you're coveting. Be careful about the things of the world that would grab for your attention and steal you away from serving God and blessing others. Be careful. And then John, who was actually here at the Sermon on the Mount, I love how he says this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. John, one of the disciples who heard the Sermon on the Mount, follows up instructing the church. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride in possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And I like a different translation in verse 16. It says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes. There's another translation that says the lust of the eyes. It's what Jesus is warning us about here in Matthew. Chapter 6, verses 22 through 24. saying, be careful about what your eyes look at. Be careful about the lust of your eyes. Find contentment in what God has given you and fight anxiety over the things that you don't have by seeking first the kingdom of God. How do you, how do you fight the, the, the human inclination to want things that we haven't been given? To, to lust after things, to covet things that aren't ours? How do you fight that? Well, Jesus here is telling us to seek the kingdom. Be careful about what comes into your eyes because it will corrode you. It will destroy you. It will create a darkness of your soul. It will suck the purity out of your life. And then he says, be careful. For no one can serve two masters. Either you will love the one and hate the other or despise the one. You cannot serve God and mammon, stuff, things. So don't waste your time looking at what, other, at what other people have, wishing that you had those same things. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then thirdly, Jesus teaches us that when we seek first the kingdom of God, it produces freedom from anxiety about getting what you need. Freedom from anxiety about getting what you need. 
Don't all of us have some of this? I mean, again, it, it may not be food, clothing, and shelter. Most of us get a paycheck. And we never even see the paycheck. It goes straight into our bank, right? And then we go to the grocery store. We load up our cart. We pay for our groceries. We go home. We make those groceries. We eat them. We go to the clothing store. Pick your choice. You buy your clothes. You wash them. You fold them, hopefully. Put them away. Pull them out. Put them back on. Go about your day. You walk into your home daily shelter, a roof over your head, heat in the winter, air conditioning in the summer. I mean, the reality of this passage here where Jesus is telling his followers to not be anxious about their clothing, about their food, about their drink, that's pretty far removed from most of us. Not all of us. And if you are here today and you are struggling to find enough money for clothing, for food, for shelter, please let us know. We have a fund to help you meet those basic needs, and we would love to do that and walk alongside you in that. And, and some people who come to our church gatherings are in that boat, and you need to know that we are here to help you and also continue to trust God. He will provide for those basic needs in ways that you've never imagined. But the reality is most of us aren't there. Most of us are going to go out to dinner or lunch after church today and have no problem paying the bill. Or, or go to the grocery store and stock up for the week so you can make your meals ahead of time and have your little packaged portions to eat for lunch throughout the week. Well, this is pretty far removed from us. But the reality remains that all of us have needs, do we not? I mean, sometimes our, our needs and the anxiety that we feel around our needs are more like, do I measure up? Can, can I make it through the day? With all of its demands, all that's been placed on me, I don't know if I can perform. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can, if I can get through this day. I don't know if I have the energy. I don't know if I have the ability. I don't know if I have the intellect. I don't know if I have the skill. Can I afford to fix my car that keeps breaking down? I don't know. I'm living from paycheck to paycheck. Will I ever be able to retire at this pace or send my kids to college? No, you won't. College keeps going up, and your income doesn't go up to match the price of college. Can I keep growing and advancing my career? Can, can I find and keep meaningful friendships? Because it seems like every time I get close, somebody moves away, or they, or they change, or they stab me in the back. And Can my family frustrations and dysfunction ever be worked out? We have anxiety around these type of needs, do we not? And the glory of this passage is that, yes, yes, you can get through. Because as you seek first the kingdom of God, he sets you free. And, and it's a progression, right? Not often is it like, boom, done, I'm free of everything, I never struggle again. It's a progression of overcoming anxiety, see, seeking and experiencing freedom from anxiety as we seek the kingdom of God. The more that we seek the kingdom of God, the more of God that we get, the more of him that we experience, and, and the less the issues of the world affect us. The, the things of earth become strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace as we seek first the kingdom of God. Things are aligned properly, and we can actually function and flourish in a godly 
way. As you seek the kingdom of God, all that you need and much of what you want will be given to you. Look at Jesus' promise here in this passage. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. What are these things? Well, these things are in the context of this passage here. He's saying, don't be anxious about your clothing, verse 28, but consider the lilies of the field, for they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so closes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, and it's thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And he tells us to consider the birds, they, they don't store up, they don't accumulate food and put it into storehouses and save it for later, but God provides for them. And if he provides for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, how much more will he provide for the sons and the daughters that he loves? So church, the promise of Jesus here is that if you seek first the kingdom of God, all of what you need and much of what you want will be given to you. And how true is this? We are all here. You are still living and breathing. That's because the food and the drink and the clothing and the shelter that you've needed to survive has been met. And more and more as you seek the kingdom of God, the things that you need and the things that you desire are often given to you. Not, not always. I mean, God doesn't give us everything that we want and praise God for that, right? I mean, Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That verse is often quoted by people saying, If you just find more joy in God, he will give you that big house, or he will give you those nice clothes, or he will give you that sweet vacation, or he will give you whatever it is, fill in your blank. But the reality of that verse is, if you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires will align with his. And so this is true, that as we seek the kingdom of God, all of what we need is given to us and much of what we want. And what we want increasingly becomes more and more of what God wants. Like what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was approaching his death. And he didn't, he didn't want to go through the physical pain, the emotional pain, the spiritual pain that was about to be placed on him. He said, yet, Father, not what I will, but your will be done. And so as we seek the kingdom of God, this is how it works. God transforms our heart and our mind, and he sets us free from the anxiety over the things that we have that we want to keep, over the things that we don't have that we want to get, and over the things that we need. He sets us free. What does it mean practically to seek the kingdom of God? And so this is the teaching, right? Seek the kingdom of God, and you will be set free from anxiety over what you have, what you want, and what you need. That's the teaching of this passage. That's what Jesus is getting at. Seek the kingdom. Anxiety level will go down. Amen? Do you want that? Oh, we are such an anxious people. We are such an anxious people. And so Jesus says, if, if you want to lower your level of anxiety and heighten your level of peace, seek the kingdom. How do we do that? Here's a couple ways that we seek the kingdom. It's to prioritize. And what it means, what does it mean to seek the kingdom? It means to prioritize the things of God over the things of earth. This means that you make a conscious decision to prioritize God's kingdom and his work and his will and his ways over, your, over, over kind of the kingdom of self. 
you, you consider what God would have you do, what God would want in a situation. You prioritize him and his kingdom, his rule, his reign over your own desires. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart because he changes our desires and realigns them to be the same as his. So as we delight ourselves in him, as we prioritize him and his kingdom over us and our kingdom, our desires are actually changed and they fall in line with him. What does it mean to seek the kingdom? It means to prioritize God and his kingdom over the things of earth, over the good gifts that he's given us. Do you spend more time considering what God would want for you in a situation or considering what you would want for you in a situation? Another way, another thing that it means to prioritize or to seek the kingdom of God is to listen to God's voice through his word, through scripture, through the community, his people, the church, and through his spirit, the Holy Spirit that's living and active within us. It's to listen to his voice through those means more than your own voice or the voice of popular opinion. It's really easy to hear people giving you their opinions on what you should do and to have your own opinions and your own thoughts and your own process, right? And it could be completely non-kingdom-minded. And so to seek the kingdom of God means that, that you diligently search out his leading, his voice, through his word, through his community, through his spirit. If you're wrestling with a decision and you don't know what it means to seek the kingdom of God, like, should I take this job? Should I move to this place? Should I spend my money this way or that way? I don't want to build up the kingdom of self. I want to build up the kingdom of God. When you're wrestling through that, what do you do? You go to the word. You go to the scriptures. You talk to your community. This is one of the strengths of having community groups and, and close friendships within the churches. You can say, hey, I, I, I don't know. My priorities are out of whack. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells me that my heart is deceitful above all things. And so I, I think this is seeking the kingdom of God, but also it might be seeking my own kingdom. Can you help me navigate that and process that and think through that? Listen to God's voice through his word, through his community, through his spirit. Thirdly, to seek the kingdom means to trust God's promises rather than your own preference, perspective, or performance. Trust God's promise. This book is filled with promises of God. Like he has promised here in Matthew chapter 6 to take care of our basic needs. As we seek the kingdom, as we put him before ourselves, he has promised to meet our basic needs. And, and so do you believe that promise in moments of hardship, in moments of anxiety, do you actually believe what God has told you here in his word, or do you lean towards your own preference? Well, my preference would be to live in this type of space, or my preference would be to have this type of paycheck, or my preference would be to have these type of friends, or this type of personality. Do you trust your own perspective? Well, the way that I see things, this would be the wisest. This would be the best. How could God not do this? How could God not do that? Because through my own lens, my own perspective, this is clearly the best thing for God's kingdom. Well, we're being taught by Jesus here to trust God's promises, not our own perspective. And then performance. How often do we trust our own performance? And like, as a church, we do this so often for salvation, right? Like, God, it's got to be so, so mad at me for sinning again. I wonder if I'm even saved. Yeah, I said that prayer. Yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I read the Bible. Yeah, I pray. Yeah, I love Jesus. But if I really love Jesus, would I keep doing the same sin? 
when Scripture has promised us that if we've been sealed with His Spirit, we are sealed with His Spirit. Our salvation wasn't dependent on us. It was dependent and it is dependent on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and overcoming sin and death and the grave. And how often is it, how easy is it for us to trust our own performance rather than what Jesus has done in our place on our behalf? So to seek the kingdom of God, it means to actually trust what God has said, not what you think about what God has said. Trust what God has said. A couple practical things here as we close out this morning. So that's what it means to seek the kingdom of God. I want to just close down with a few very practical ways of how we can together as a community seek the kingdom of God this week. How can we do that? First one is give something away. If Jesus here in this passage in Matthew chapter 6, the first portion, verses 9 through 21, is about having things that we're afraid of losing, he says, don't store up for yourselves treasure here on earth where anything can take it away anyway. It's all an illusion. It's all a mirage that you have something that you've worked for and you have it and you can protect it and possess it. That's all an illusion. It could be gone like that. But if, if that's part of the challenge, if we have anxiety over the things that we have that we don't want to lose, here's a way that we can practically seek his kingdom this week. Give something away. Think about something that you love, something that you cherish, a treasure of yours, and give it away. Isn't that what Jesus encouraged the man to do, the rich young man in Matthew 19? Sell all of your possessions. And, and, and please don't take it as that means you have to sell everything and go live in a cardboard box so that someone else can have all of the proceeds of your own house for their own spending. Like That's just foolish thinking interpretation. But try and think through, what is something that I treasure... That, that, that I'm hoarding, that I'm holding on to, that I'm keeping close, and maybe just for my own discipleship and growth and challenge, I'm going to give that away this week. If that means sell it on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or whatever it is, sell it and give the proceeds to a ministry or to somebody in need. Or maybe it's just something that you treasure, that you want to loan out. Like, some of you have these type of things. You, you have it, and you know it would be a blessing to others, but you're like, I don't want them to ruin it. it so-and-so has asked if they could borrow my whatever, and I don't want them to wreck it. Try loaning it to them this week. Baby steps. Maybe you don't even sell it or give it away. Maybe you just loan something precious to you out to somebody else and see what it does to your own heart. It's a practical way that we can, as a community, seek God together this week, seek his kingdom. Secondly, try giving something up. So if the second part of this passage here, the first part is over treasures that we have that we store up, they, they gain control over us. The second part is things that we look at, things that we desire, things that we lust after, things that we want more of, they become master over us. Try giving something up. Try fasting from something. We talked about fasting a few weeks back, and, and some of us did some fasting over Holy Week together, and it's such a great practice to, to actually figure out and identify what has mastery over me? Here in verses 22 through 24, Jesus is saying, be careful what you let in. Be careful what you let allure you away from God because thing, the things of earth will lure you away from God. And so try giving something up this week. If that's coffee, if that's social media, if that's TV, if that's what, whatever it is for you, Something that your eyes or, or your mind or your heart kind of dwells on that seems to take mastery over you. 
something that tears you away from serving God, as Jesus says here in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. God and things, God and stuff. What might the Holy Spirit call you to give up this week to make sure that you're not being mastered or controlled by something that you have or something that you want? Lastly, take a hike. Just go for a walk. It's going to be a beautiful week, I think. Actually, last I looked, it's all gray. Gray mid-40s. Welcome to Minnesota. That's, that's a great improvement from where we were a month ago, though. So don't covet better weather. Don't covet California. Be content with what you have, where God's placed you here in Minnesota, mid-40s and gray. That's like our summer. Get outside and take a walk. Practically, I mean, this is a way that we can seek God's kingdom. I encourage all of us this week, get outside, take a walk. And as you take that walk, take a hike, look at the birds. There's, there's birds all around us. They are flying around as a symbol, as a reminder that God cares for them and they don't store up their food. God provides. They find a worm. They dig it out. God provides. Did they put the worm there? Did they plant the seed that grew the worm? Seeds don't grow worms, but you get the idea. <laughs> they, they did nothing. I mean, they, they flew and they searched for it, but God provided it. It's there because God placed it there because God is in charge of this whole system this whole biological system, this whole world that we live in. God is in charge of that. And so that bird has food to eat because God provides for that bird. Those lilies and flowers are starting to bloom now. Take a hike. Get out in the woods or walk around a lake and pay attention to the birds and to the flowers and reread this passage. And be reminded that God cares more for you, his son or his daughter, than he does the birds that you're looking at or the flowers that you're sniffing as you walk by. That's a way that we can practically seek the kingdom together this week. Amen? Let's do that together this week. I'm going to pray, and then we will respond with communion. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. I do pray that we would be people who live in the power of your promise, not relying on our own preference, perspective, or performance. Lord, help us to seek first the kingdom of God. We are a people who are filled with so much anxiety over the things that we have, the things that we want, and the things that we need. And you have told us clearly that if we seek first you and your kingdom, you and your righteousness, that all of these things will be added unto us, the things that we need, many of the things that we want, you are a gracious God who loves to bless his kids, and so I pray that we wouldn't be caught in anxiety. I pray that you would give us freedom from our anxiety. And Lord, as we're reminded of your promise this morning, I pray that as we take communion, we would be reminded that it's not about our performance, but it is indeed about your promise, that you came you lived the perfect life. You died the sinner's death in our place on our behalf. I pray that you would stir in our hearts a reminder of the truth. Help us to think rightly about who you are and what you've done for your glory, for our good, and the advancement of your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.